Our sermon text today is from Romans chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. It's on page 1118 in our sanctuary Bibles. Hear the word of God. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh or the sinful nature, as our sanctuary Bibles say, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Let us pray. Yes, Holy Spirit, come and move among us. The best of our ability, we welcome you here as you bear witness to the love of the Father and the love of the Son. And as we continue to worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, gracious God, we are grateful for your love for us. We ask these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The New Testament never gives a full diagram, deep theological treatise that fully explains the doctrine of the Trinity, that belief that we embrace that God exists as a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Rather than describing what it means for God to be, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. The New Testament instead shows us the Trinity in action. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in the world, at work in our lives, at work in the church, accomplishing God's purposes. And so Romans 8, 12 through 17 gives us one of those glimpses at the action of the Trinity of how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work in us and through us to accomplish God's purposes in the world. There are lots of things that we can draw from this passage. We'll draw three ways, three ways in which the work of the Trinity is described and put on display in these words of the Apostle Paul. First, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit constantly work together To show us we are loved. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit constantly work together to show us we are loved. Look at verses 15 and 16 again. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the daughters and sons, the children of God. When a person embraces Jesus by faith, when we follow Him, when we trust Him, we enter into a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit 
comes and lives within us, dwells inside our hearts. And this passage speaks of the function of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit from from within your heart and mine, to bear witness that we are daughters and sons, children of God. In other words, to bear witness that God loves us. That we are joint heirs with Jesus, verse 17 says. That is, we share in Christ's victory over sin, death, and the devil. And one day, we will share in Christ's resurrection from the dead. The Holy Spirit living in your heart, in our hearts, those who follow Christ, the Holy Spirit is constantly bearing witness to the love that God has for us. God so loved the world that the Father sent the Son into the world. The Son so loved the world that He showed us how to live. And He lived a life of perfect communion with the Father and the Spirit. And through the power of the Spirit, after the Son had died on the cross from our sins, the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And we who follow Christ now have the Spirit within us bearing witness to the love of the Father and the love of the Son constantly telling us, reminding us, seeking to convince us who are so hard to fully believe that we really are loved by God. And it's so important, so crucial to remember that we are not on our own in reminding ourselves that we are loved by God. It's so important to remember that the Spirit is speaking that from within us Because there are so many things in this world, so many things in your life, so many things in my life that bring us down and seek to deny the truth of how much God loves us, of how much we are treasured by God. Several years ago, our family was visiting Alicia's sister and her husband and their daughter in Avondale Estates, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. It was a rainy spring morning. It was a miserable day, and we were stuck inside the house, and we just had to get out of the house. And so we went to a local breakfast restaurant, and everyone else in Avondale Estates had the same idea because they were all at that restaurant. And we waited for 45 minutes to be seated, and to say that we were cranky is a vast understatement. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but Thomas, on behalf of us all, voiced that crankiness. And Uncle Pat paused, and he looked at Thomas, and he said, Thomas, don't bring me down. Now, if you were a teenager in the late 70s and early 80s, and you were in my place, you would have done exactly what I did. Immediately, the guitars went ripping through my head. So there was this song, if you don't know it, by a band called the Electric Light Orchestra, ELO for short, that had this phrase over and over, Don't bring me down. Don't bring me down. No, 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 no. That was the song. So over and over you get this refrain with the guitars doing da-na-na-na. And and then at some places in the song they address these words to a guy named Bruce. Who knows why? But they say, don't bring me down, Bruce. But the artists, the band, they don't just say Bruce. They roll their R's when they say it so that it sounds like Bruce. 
So, it's raining, we're cranky, Uncle Pat says these words, and all of a sudden the sun breaks through, the clouds lift, and our day is transformed. And for the rest of the trip, we're singing this song, we're looking for every opportunity to say to one another, hey, Mom, don't bring me down. Davis, don't bring me down. Thomas, Luke, don't, Dad, don't bring me down. And we do that the whole trip. So we're on our way back, long trip back from Atlanta to Wilmington, and we arrive back in town, and we're almost to our house, and we stop at a stoplight, and I promise you I'm not making this up, the car in front of us had a license tag, a license plate that said, B-R-R-R-U-C-E, exclamation point. It's silly, I know. And it was a profound moment for me, that whole experience. David talked about the Holy Spirit leading us to think about or do certain things. I believe the Holy Spirit was at work through that whole process of having fun with this song to remind me, and now us, of the voices all around us that constantly seek to bring us down. The voices that say we're not good enough. The voices that say we can't handle it. The voices that say we can't do it. Sometimes those voices are from our surrounding culture. The voices that say we have to look a certain way in order to measure up. The voices that say we have to own certain things or do certain activities in order to be of true value. Those voices are constantly at work to bring you and me down. And then there are the voices of people that are close to us, some of whom love us. Voices from the past or in the present. Voices from people who maybe meant well but have said things that hurt us and that wound us and that bring us down. Or maybe persons that didn't mean well and intended to be hateful to us and intended to bring us down with the words that they have said. For many of us, it doesn't take much to scratch the scab off of those wounds. And we hear those voices in our head as if they're being spoken in that very moment, even if they were said to us 50 years ago. And then for some of us, the voices that we hear, the voices that most bring us down, are our own voices. The voice of self-rejection, the voice of self-criticism, the voice even of self hatred. And the good news of the gospel is as real as those voices are in your heads and in my head, the voice that's in your heart and my heart is stronger. And that voice of the Holy Spirit will never speak words that bring us down. The voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart and mine as followers of Jesus is always speaking of the love that God has for you. Always saying that you are a daughter, you are a son of God, you can. You are allowed, you are encouraged to address God as Abba, Father. Abba being the Aramaic term for intimacy. You are a joint heir with Christ. All that Christ has is yours. All that He has accomplished comes to you through faith in Him. You are forgiven. And the ongoing challenge and privilege and invitation of our lives as followers of Jesus is with the Holy Spirit's help 
to listen more and more each day to the voice of the Spirit that says we are loved. And less and less to the voices that want to bring us down. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit constantly work together to show us we are loved. Second, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together to help us live the lives we were created to live. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together to help us live the lives we were made to live. Look again at verses 12 and 13. They use the phrase flesh, or in the NIV translation, sinful nature. It's a reference not to uh, our physical bodies, to our literal flesh, but to that sinful nature within us that always seems to be going the other way, prone to wander away from the life that God has called us to live. There is that part within us, each of us, that is sinful. It's a, it's a part of who we are. It will be with us until we are with the Lord. And that sinful nature, that flesh, is, is constantly pulling us away from being who God has called us to be and doing the things that God has called us to do. Uh, Galatians 5, in that chapter, the Apostle Paul gives us this list of the works of the flesh, the works of the sinful nature. And, and they talk about sexual sin and greed and idolatry and, and anger and many other things. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a representative list. Any thought, word, or action that moves us away from love for God and love for people is a thought, word, or action that originates in the sinful nature, the flesh. And Paul says in verses 12 and 13, we are under no obligation to this sinful nature that lives within us. Instead, by the power of the Spirit, we can put to death the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the sinful nature, all of those things within us that tempt us away from God. Notice, we don't do it by ourselves. We do so by the Spirit and notice that the, the, the sinful nature of the flesh, it will be with us until we are with Jesus, but, but we do not have to be dominated by it. We can, verses 12 and 13 say, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit. There's work for us to do, to be sure. Much work for us to do. We are to embrace, with the Spirit's help, faithful habits and practices and spiritual disciplines. We are to surround ourselves with with Christian friends, sisters and brothers who hold us accountable and encourage us to walk closely with the Lord. And if we, are, if we find ourselves enslaved to a, to a dangerous addiction, we find help. We go to a 12-step program. We go to a treatment center. We go to a gospel mission. We go wherever we can to get the help that we need. There are things that we are called to do in order to, to win this battle against the sinful nature. But the good news of the Gospel is we can't win it by ourselves. The even better news is that the Spirit who lives within us and bears witness that we are children of God empowers us to live faithfully. The Father designs the world in such a way that we are instructed how to live in ways that will create flourishing for us and those around us. The Son models this living in the life of Jesus. And through His death and resurrection, Jesus makes a way for 
our sinful nature to be defeated one day and for our sins to be forgiven. And the Holy Spirit dwelling within us empowers us now to live by the Spirit, to be and to do that which we're called to do. To be the people God calls us to be. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together to help us live the lives we were created to live. And third, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together to help us do God's work in the world. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together to help us do God's work in the world. Now, God is at work apart from us. God is is not absolutely dependent upon us. But in love, in grace, to honor and give us great work, worth, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give us work. They help us to do the work that we have been called to do. We've been called to share the Gospel with others, with our words and our lives, to invite people to know Jesus for the first time and to receive within themselves the Holy Spirit who is constantly convincing them that they are loved by God. We are called to work for God's kingdom, to work for God's mercy and justice, that God's will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, giving witness all the while to that day when God's will will finally fully be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have been given work to do, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work within us to help us do that work. We're in a visioning journey right now as a congregation, as you know. And uh, one of our objectives, we have many objectives, but one of our objectives is to help each of us uh, discern, discover, and engage and fulfill our God-given mission in life. We're looking for our God-given mission as a congregation, but a part of that is to help each of us uh, discern exactly what that mission looks like for us as individuals. And so we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago on a Wednesday night, and, and someone gave us this wonderful feedback about that objective. I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, it was a great observation. You said that mission, to say that we have a God-given mission as individuals, it's too big. It's huge. And of course it's too big. It is too big. But if we believe that the Holy Spirit lives within our hearts and connects us to the Father and the Son and bears witness to how we are loved, then surely we also can believe and embrace the truth that this God who loves us also as a part of that love has work for each of us to do. A God-given mission. A dear friend of ours in Wilmington, member of our church, lost her son in 1987. He was a military helicopter pilot, and he died in a helicopter crash in Germany. And, and as you can imagine, her life was, was forever changed. And she grieved and she mourned and she was mad at God. But through this journey... The words of Romans 8.28, just a few verses past our passage today. The words of Romans 8.28 came alive for her. For we know that God works for the good. Let me read it directly from the, from the, 
from the passage. We know that all things work together for good for those who, for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. And what she discovered as she wrestled with that verse was not that God causes bad things to happen so that He can bring good out of it. Bad things happen because we live in a sinful and fallen world. But, but in the midst of the bad things that happen, the difficult struggles, God is present. And God is bringing good out of that. And so for our friend Norma, that good became a God-given mission of blessing mothers and family members who lose loved ones in service to our country. She became a, a member of Gold Star Mothers, a group that works with mothers of those who've lost their children in military service. And she, she became the president of that organization. She was a regular at the White House on Memorial Day. But, but more than the attention that she received, what I saw in her was an amazing ability to walk alongside mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and sisters and brothers, just like the daughter from the letter that Alicia read, to walk alongside them and to comfort them and to cry with them and to mourn with them and to give them hope and to point them to Jesus. It has become so beautifully her God-given mission. But Norma doesn't do these things by herself. The Holy Spirit lives inside of her, empowering her to do this work and bearing witness that she is a daughter of God and she is loving, precious children of God who are hurting. It is her mission. The Father sent the Son of the world and the power of the Spirit to turn this world around. And now we who have received the Spirit by faith in Jesus and cry out to God as Abba the Father are sent by the Father and the Son into the world, each of us with God-given missions to do in the power of the Spirit. This whole visioning process, we're as a church identifying our God-given mission together. But as a part of it, each of us are being called to ask the Spirit, what is your mission for me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how are you calling me to work in this world? So what is that mission for you? How is God calling you to serve? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together to help us do our work in the world, to participate with God's larger work in the world. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together to help you and me live the lives we were made to live. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit constantly work together to convince hard-to-believe, resistant, cranky people like us that we are loved. You are loved in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All of God's people said,